this week on the Corporate Quitters Podcast, I am happy to be joined by Kelly Paxton. Kelly is known as the Pink Collar Crime Guru. Pink Collar Crime, look it up. It is not what you think. In this episode, Kelly tells us that men steal more than women, but women are just better at it. She also tells us that fraud can happen to anyone, even a rocket scientist. She also discusses being fired at 53 for being a tattletale and why everyone should have an FU fund and an FU attitude. All of this and more in this episode that you don't want to miss. And Kelly, can you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. I'm Kelly Paxton. I'm a certified fraud examiner and private investigator, but I guess I am most known for being the pink collar crime lady. Now, just to get started right off the bat, pink collar crime, it's not my term. It was popularized in 1989 by Dr. Kathleen Daly, and it is about position, not gender but women do it really, really well. So it's low to medium level employees who steal from the workplace. And when you think about it, who are low to medium level employees who have access to the cash that comes in and out of a business? It's women. So people think I'm picking on women. If anything, I'm picking on the fact that women are in lower level positions, but women do it really, really well and they do it for longer. But I'm also known as the fraud hashtag queen. And one of my hashtags is hashtags men steal more. So men steal more, they steal it quicker, but women can do it for decades and not get caught. But stealing is just wrong altogether, right? Absolutely. But I will tell you, you know the fraud triangle. You have opportunity, pressure, and rationalization. And as auditors and fraud examiners, the easiest thing to control for is opportunity. But We've got some rationalization. If you're a, not a good boss, not a good manager, and you treat your employees poorly, I will tell you, they will not feel as bad when they steal from you. When you sit there, I, there's a big corporation locally here today, a private equity um, firm bought them out. These employees for, I'm gonna say decades, have always gotten an annual bonus. The, one of the lead stories in the local paper today, no more $3,000 a year bonuses. There's going to be an employee out there who oh. finds their own $3,000 a year bonus. Why do you think women are better at stealing than men? <laughs> um, because uh, hashtag never underestimate a woman. <laughs> and uh, because they kind of, I'm going to say they're going to, fly under the radar a little bit. And um, I tell the story all the time, but Leah Weeholter, who has the Investigation Game podcast, she had a client who she dumped the data for him and he went and he explained, you know, this person does this, this person does that. And he goes to his admin and he says to Leah, he goes, oh, don't look at her. She's too dumb to steal from me. Guess who stole? Like wow. that sort of attitude, I, you know, I don't care if you're up here in IQ or an org chart and they're down here in org chart or IQ, they know where the money is. They know every dime that goes in and out of the business. As a business owner, do you know where every dime goes in and out of a business? Probably not. You just mentally count it. 
you you post a lot of frauds on uh, LinkedIn. Any of them stick out more than the others? Oh my God, there's so many. I do fr hashtag Friday Fraudster. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, well, okay, so this is one, and this is a Mia Culpa one. So there was a woman who stole from Make-A-Wish in one of the Midwest states. Yeah. And I, I used my fraud humor badly and I punched down and I said, my wish is that she goes to jail. And then I did some more digging on her. She allegedly has had two children with their one brain cancer and the other something else. Oh. You know, that story I, I wrote, I did the Friday fraudster with it. I made a joke about, I make a wish that she goes to prison. And then two days later, I made another post saying, I shouldn't have done that. I, you know, I haven't had knock on wood, two kids that have had cancer or illness or something like that. I have never had to walk in those shoes. So that story really sticks out because I, I felt bad and you see her glamour shot and you see her mug shot and she's been through hell. So yeah. that's a story that the other thing is, I mean, we talked a little bit about this, about prior coworkers, but I have pink collar criminals or frosters. I'd rather go out to happy hour with than some coworkers I've had, because you know that, you know, they might not be able to be trusted. And the other thing is good people make bad choices. Bad people make good choices. Yeah. Not everyone stays in their lane. Yeah, Absolutely. I'll tell you, my favorite Friday fraudster was the woman who stole money and got a butt implant. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of traffic on that. <laughs> well, well, I think what was so funny about it was everybody just kept piling on with the jokes, you know, like this is asinine and <laughs> and yes, yeah, she stole, but. <laughs> well, and the other thing is she got a two for one she had a friend go and i wonder oh, yeah. is like oh is mine gonna be bigger than yours or is yours gonna be bigger than mine like i mean oh my gosh we could have yeah it, it really reminds you of sir mix a lot though yeah. <laughs> yeah no that i forgot there like i said there's been i've been doing friday fraudster for a long time and there's the pistachio place where they, i have a picture of a huge oh, yeah. pistachio when i go when we travel again, I think I'm going to make a trip to the pistachio farm just to take a picture of me out there and say, even the pistachio got stolen from. Well, and I think what's cool is that we can at least laugh about it because these are very serious situations impacting the lives of people. What do you do in order to uh, advance the fraud cause? You know, I want, fraud, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I want people to understand it can happen to anyone. And the more we talk about it, the more, and you know, the whole thing about fraud humor, you remember the funny stories. Now, again, I don't like the make a wish story, but um, you remember those stories. And whereas if I show you just a pie chart of statistics, you're not going to remember that. You're going to remember the butt implant. You're going to remember the pistachio. And so that's the thing is I want people to understand it can happen anywhere. I did um, on LinkedIn a stump the embezzlement jock. And I will tell you, I think you tried to guess one of them. I said, anyone who shows an industry who has not been embezzled, well, leave it to a lawyer 
to do snake wrangling, which there is no snake wrangling association. So, but it was a lawyer, so I didn't want to get sued. So I sent him a present anyway, but there is, I, I want people to understand it can happen to anyone. I can show you one of the United States first astronauts who got ripped off $750,000. He's smart. He was a nuclear physicist, a rocket science. Literally Again, a rocket doesn't scientist. Matter, yeah, it doesn't matter how smart you are. It just matters that you have money. And, you know, but then the other thing is um, there's a lot of victim shaming. And this is one thing, if I can have a mission to stop besides stopping pink collar crime, which is fraud's never gonna stop. Um, Victim shaming. I have a woman who half a million dollar embezzlement and uh, our local newspaper doesn't allow for comments anymore. Oh, on but the website? Post it on Facebook and people will put comments and they're like, gee, I'd like to have a business where I could afford to lose a half a million dollars. Like you can't imagine. And I have rest in peace, an uncle he was not a successful businessman. I see an art or a post he's made about a guy who is a successful businessman who got a quarter of a million dollars stolen from him. And he goes, gee, I, my uncle says, gee, I wish I could afford to miss $250,000 over three years. And I wanted to say, you've never made $250,000 over three years. So like that victim shaming, you, do we victim shame someone whose house got robbed? No, we probably don't even say, did you lock the door? Like, you know, um, but people victim shame and I want that to stop. So if I can normalize white collar, pink collar crime, I think more people will report it. They say only 15% of embezzlement cases are reported. Wow. It's because there's shame. And when you go on Facebook and you see your pictures like, oh, I wish I could afford to lose a million dollars you're going to say, I don't want that to be public record. So what are some of the characteristics that you see of the victims? Um, you know what? They're all nice. They're all nice. And hashtag trust is not an internal control. I have only had one victim who said he did not like his, you know, person. And he goes, so I never gave her access to my checking in account. And I said, yeah, well, you gave her access to your visa machine. And that's how she stole $450,000. Ooh. Well, and if he didn't like her, then why was she employed there? He was busy. <laughs> that was the other thing. You know, most they're successful because there's money. Yeah. Um, most of them are busy. And most people or most business owners, I'm going to say kind of run their business through their head. They'll say, okay, I sold a million widgets. I net $10 a widget. Therefore, I should have $10 million. And, they're, and they don't you know, trust, but verify, they don't look the bank statement and it says $10,000 instead of 10 million. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you said something very impactful. Trust is not a control. You have to trust, but verify. Yeah. Else you might be on the Friday fraudster. Yes. But now the victim shaming. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a problem we won't solve here. So, so now you're, you're an advocate for fighting fraud. I almost said an advocate for fraud. <laughs> you're, an, you're an advocate for fighting fraud, uh, specializing in pink collar crime. And so now you, you take your, your cape and you're kind of a superhero saving company, spreading the advocacy, but it didn't start here. 
where did it start and, and, and what was the road that you took to get here? It's a crazy story, but I'm going to give you the shortest version possible. Went to college, um, uh, got out of college, went and worked at the Chicago Board of Trade. My dad was a commodities trader, did that, became a stockbroker and a bond trader. We had a client who I said was hinky. I'm like, something's not right. But this was back before Know Your Customer. So we didn't, there was no obligation. One day I get a phone call. They're like, this is so-and-so from the U.S. Customs Office of Investigations. Do you know Alan? And I kind of giggled. I was young. I giggled. And she goes, well, we're going to send a subpoena down. Well, what did we do? We told Alan and he took his money and ran. He got caught. So he did get caught. But about a year later, and I want, this is one of the things I want to say to your audience is if you're curious, pick up the phone. A year later, I pick up the phone. I call her and I say, Hey, I want to do what you do. I knew he was dirty. And a year after that, cause it takes a while to get hired by the feds. Yes. I'm in, you know, Glencoe, Georgia shooting guns. I had never touched a gun until I was 30 years old. Never in my life touched a gun. And I became a special agent my husband then got a job in the middle of the country with no border. So my career kind of came to a stop. I got back involved in law enforcement, worked for a local sheriff's office, became a certified fraud examiner. And I started working regular embezzlement cases, I main street crime. And I realized one day I said, all my victims or all my suspects, with the exception of one, are females. And I Googled women embezzlers. And I found the term pink collar crime and I got pinkcolorcrime.com and I became the pink lady of pink. So, but it was a big shift because when I was a custom special agent, I arrested bad guys, you know, money launderers, drug dealers, child pedophiles, um, people that you cross the street for. And then I go to the sheriff's office and I'm seeing a dentist office that's getting ripped off a million dollars. And I'm seeing a charter school, a water district, and these are regular businesses and they're people that live amongst us. The suspects like live amongst us. We don't relate to Bernie Madoff or Pablo Escobar. Right, they, right. We didn't ever see him, but did we see the nice lady who worked at the water association? Yeah, we did. So that's when I, my whole mind about crime kind of changed. So now go, going down this road, it's, it's almost like you're leading us to talking about sometimes having empathy for the actual criminal. Can well, you talk about that a little bit? I, I do have empathy. Like I said, I, knock on wood, have not had to make those choices. These, most of them, except I'm going to say the serial con artist grifter, the psychopath. Most of them are good people who have made a bad choice. The thing is, is people think money solves everything. Yeah. And sure, it does short term. Yeah, you won't get your house, you know, taken by the bank. Your kid will be able to get out of jail. You'll be able to, you know, get that cancer treatment. Short term, it does that. Long term, no, it doesn't. So, and I will say that um, in my career, I have done read you know, the read method of ah, interrogation. Yeah. I have taken a lot of interview and interrogation courses. You need to be kind. I will say you need empathy and you need to be kind because if you're going to go and pound on the table and say, I know you did it, they're not going to give you anything. Yeah. Whereas if you say, you know, I, I understand your boss is kind of a jerk 
and your spouse left you or, you know, COVID happened and you, this is what you thought would make things better. I get it. So you're not going to, you're not going to do anything by um, being a jerk. Yeah. And I think the overall objective is to just find whatever the objective truth is in a situation uh, you can still have empathy for someone who's going through something and still do the job because they've done something wrong. Um, when you find someone that has stolen a, a lot of money, do you find that they are remorseful um, about the, the things that they've done? Oh, yeah. You can see it physically. You can see them just... Because think about it, if you if you were a fraudster and say, you know, pre-COVID, you're in a cubicle and every time your boss says, hey, can you come here a minute? Can you imagine physically what that does to you? Yeah. Um, it makes you physically sick. And they kind of all think eventually they're going to get caught. Mind you, we're getting rid of the psychopaths and the serial con artists. Right. But the regular everyday person, yeah, you can see it. And um, they'll confess again. They're not going to confess if you're a jerk. That's true. And I, I remember uh, listening to Cynthia Cooper talk about what was happening when they were investigating WorldCom. And she said uh, she got one of them in the office and laid the evidence out. And he just breathed a sigh of relief and said, thank you. And they had gotten caught doing a multi-million dollar fraud. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes people's conscience eats them up. But why is it that you think, just based on your experience, why do you think when people get in financial bond, they don't reach out and ask for help from any type of support group that they may have or try and find one? Yeah. So I had a woman who stole a million dollars over 10 years from a dentist and um, he loved her. Oh my God. He loved her. He's like, I would have given her the money. He goes, probably not a million dollars. But had and plus she spent it all at the casino pretty much. Mm. Um, so he didn't like that. But again, um, yeah, they're they are remorseful. I, I, I yeah, they generally Bernie Madoff. No, he's like a psychopath, um, not remorseful. But most people are um, they're not serial embezzlers. With the exception, if you just fire someone because you catch them stealing and they go somewhere else, they're going to do it again. Whereas if you fire and prosecute them, they're probably not going to do it. That's anecdotal, but it seems that way. I can, I'll look at someone's resume or someone's um, background on LinkedIn. If they steal within six months of starting a position, go see where they worked before yep. because they probably stole there. Absolutely. But, but it still just makes you wonder why they don't reach out to friends, family, or even now with the internet and social media, you can say to somebody, I'm hurting and I need help with this. And you got a million dollars in like 10 minutes sometimes. So I think that's one of the things I think about why, why don't we ask for help when we really need it and we try to conceal it and we cover up uh, any speculation as to why? Well, so Donald Cressy, who, you know, one of the, I'm going to say masters of the universe for the whole white collar crime world and fraud examiner world. Um, he said it was an unshareable need. 
Now, I mean, truth be told, people will talk about sex before they'll talk about money. And there is shame. And I'm going to say, you know, I don't like to do the whole gender thing because people kind of tune out with the gender thing. But if a man can't support his family, they say he's not man enough. They don't say that about a woman. They don't say it about a woman. Um, So, and, you know, because I'm known as the pink lady, I get a lot of those type of cases. And um, women will talk about money. And you'll talk to the coworkers of a suspect and they'll say, oh yeah, I knew that her spouse left her or she was having financial issues. They'll talk about it more so. But you get, I'm going to say, a high-powered dude on the golf course of the country club. Is he going to say that his, you know, Mercedes just got repoed? No way. He's embarrassed. He's like, you know, no. Um, so I think there's some pride involved in that. You know, you, you make a really good point there. I, I've never thought about that. But now, now I'm thinking, would I say something? Hmm. I don't know. Probably not. Um, it's that unshareable need. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Now you've got me thinking about something now. but seriously i i really am thinking would i would i would i so so now you've had this this career in law enforcement can you do you still have arrest powers arrest authority no 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 darn it don't tell my kids that though right yeah (laughs) Yeah. well well in my mind i was just thinking i have a, a mental rolodex a list of people send the names to kelly so she can arrest them so so, so you've had this career of fighting crime, uh, literally fighting crime. Have you ever had a sidekick? Let me just, just throw out that question, random question. Uh, you know, you, you're a crime fighter. Have you ever had a sidekick, you know, like Batman and Robin? Or Well, when I worked with Customs, I had some great partners. So, yeah, when I worked with Customs, I had some great, great partners. Um, you know, uh, everyone has different skill levels and backgrounds. I was really good with money. So any type of case that had any money to it, it was given to me. Now, was I very good when it came to like, you know, when we were doing a search warrant? No, I'm not good at kicking down doors. So if I had a case where we needed to have a door kicked down, I would go to another agent. Um, So yeah, I didn't have, I mean, I had different agents for different things. So yeah. yeah. And so then you leave your government jobs and then you move into the corporate sector. Yeah. So I had a, um, I, for five years, I did it on my own. I was a solopreneur and I got recruited to go to, um, Nike and, uh, everyone can see that it's on my thing. And, um, I lasted about 18 months there. And, um, you asked when was the quit moment? And I'm going to say I got quitted. And I got quitted means I got fired. I was fired at 53. And the reason I got fired, because I used the alert line to um, file a complaint about a coworker who had lied about me. Five weeks later, I got quitted and he got promoted. So while I talk about pink collar crime and I love fraud, I love ethics. And um, I, I think ethics, the ethics training I do is some of the best work I do also. 
I will tell someone if they think that they're going to go to the alert line, they need to talk to legal counsel beforehand Absolutely. to protect yourself. And, and what, if any, is the correlation between ethics and fraud? You know, I have that, that's, that's like a whole week long conversation. Um, you know, I, I, I'm kind of stumped on that because again, until you walk in someone's shoes, I don't want to say that someone is unethical and they've made one mistake in their life and therefore they're unethical. And I think people can change. I think they can go from good to bad and from bad to good. Um, I have a line and we talked about this a little bit before the thing. I haven't ever been asked to cross the line. I think my boss knew I wouldn't cross the line. Um, and I mentor a lot of young women primarily, and I tell them, and I know this is that this is a PG rated podcast. I tell them always have a, it's an FU fund. It's a walk away fund. Yep. And the walk away fund is now I was talking to a friend the other day and I said, I never had a walk away fund the money. I had the walk away fund attitude and, um, <laughs> So if you don't have the walkway fund, at least have the attitude and you have to be able to walk away. I'm older in my career. I can easily walk away. And, you know, when I was younger, could I? No, but I gave that aura of being able to walk away. I just, it's a line I won't cross. Well, I think a lot of times what we find in organizations is you have these hotlines set up for people to report wrongdoing and they go underutilized because when people report things, they're the ones who are attacked. Um, and, and we talked earlier about the whole, you know, victim shaming and stuff like that. I don't understand why that still exists, but do you have any thoughts as to why that's still happening? I'm just going to say it's the easier route for them. And you know what? No one wants to be a whistleblower. No one really wants to do it. Oh, sure. Except, you know, I know someone who used the alert line three times to advance her career. Like, so um, I, you know, I am 150% believer in alert lines, but you have to be a little bit careful with yeah, them. Absolutely. So now let, let's go back to something you said a few minutes ago, though, because I love that you have to essentially have a screw it, I'm walking away attitude. And it would be great if you had the screw it, I'm walking away fund to go with that. Um, so how many people do you talk to that are in positions where they don't have the fund, they don't have the attitude and they would really just like to walk away? How often do you see that? You know, um, <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, people in their 40s and maybe early 50s, that's a really hard time. That's, I call it your highest burn rate, yeah. you know, because you got kids or family or saving for retirement. That is your highest burn rate. Um, in this economy, it's really hard to do it. Uh, if 
you know, if you, for whatever reason, can't walk away, I'm going to say document, 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 and don't document at work and don't document on any work device. Um, but you, I think everyone needs to protect themselves because again, I know you're a big newsy and you post a lot of great information on LinkedIn and everything. And we see these stories all the time, all, all the time. Um, I'm reading a great new book by Rob Chestnut, Intentional Integrity, and yeah. he has these code moments, and I love his code moments. I, th I think if we taught people about real life situations, not sort of these, well, if this were to happen, we have so many examples of bad things that have happened. Analyze the bad stuff that has happened, not the sort of, well, if this were to happen and the stars and moon were in alignment, what would you do? No, we've got so many examples in history of things that we can analyze. Yeah, well, and you bring up a good point about the 40s and 50s when you have obligations and you really, and, and so I talk a lot about having a moral compass and having, having it pointed in the right direction. Don't let anyone move your moral compass. But then, you know, you have people in your ear saying, you need this job. I actually had someone say that to me <clears throat> one time. Um, I was thinking about reporting something and he said to me, you know, you need this job. And I was thinking, yeah, but right is right and wrong is wrong. So I think we, we, we walk up to the edge and we, we peer over it and we think to ourselves, you know, if I go this route, I may not have a job, a home, a car, or clothes, or food, or any of that good stuff. But if I stay over here, um, I can have all of those things. But staying over here has consequences as well. I think it affects your your health. I think it affects your your uh, well. I think it affects your health because inside you're burning up, knowing that there's something out there that you need to disclose or discuss, and you're keeping it all to yourself. Um, have you ever been in a situation like that where you just kind of held it in? I, I haven't. I, um, you know, the other thing about like being a whistleblower or, and I use that term a little loosely is, um, there was no safety issue. Now, if there is a safety issue, I don't understand how anyone could not whistleblow. I, you know, um, I had a woman after I, did my ethics presentation came up to me with tears in her eyes. And she said, I whistle blew. And this is the first time I told anyone outside of my husband and my parents that I had to borrow money from. She said it made her feel so good to understand. It's, it's one of those things. Like if you're looking to buy a car, say you want to buy a, I don't know, a Tesla, all of a sudden you see Tesla's all over the road. You know, there's a term for it and everything. When you are thinking about whistleblowing, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing all these sort of wrong things. I just, it's, what is it? There's a effect. It starts with an R. I can't remember what that, but it's, you know, you'll, you'll see it. And, and I think as a whistleblower or someone who's been retaliated against, you are going to reach out to people who have had your same experiences yeah. because they become your support network. Well, and it's almost like the more we talk about it, we can normalize it. And if we normalize it, then more people will talk about it. And maybe we will never eradicate, uh, you know, 
white collar or pink collar crime, but maybe we can reduce it and maybe it'll be so normal that people won't be ashamed to say something. Uh, you know, what's the old saying? If you see something, say something. Um, well, and hashtag tips find fraud. Yeah. I mean, oh, the yeah. biggest cases have been tips or accidents finding fraud. Yeah. Um, you know, I love audit, um, but audits statistically don't find fraud to the extent oh, yeah. that tips find fraud. Tips or accidents or not being able to get into work finds fraud. So, um, yeah, like, yeah, you got to If you see something, say something. But then I will say, protect yourself. So these are these these are some really good lessons here. So. First lesson is if you see something, definitely say something, but don't say something until you've documented, documented, documented. Then you also want to make sure that you have the attitude that you can just leave so that people won't try to take advantage of you. And along with the attitude, you want to make sure that you have a fund established so that you will be okay when you leave or when they ask you to leave, you know, <laughs> however that works. Uh, yeah, and, and I find it I find it strange that um, oftentimes the person that is telling the truth is the one that is mocked, ridiculed. But here's what's here's what's interesting about that though. That's not new. I was um, I was reading something the other day, and there's a quote from George Orwell, and he said, "Let's see if I actually let me look it up just to make sure that I have it right because." I saved it. And, you know, there's no such thing as coincidence, right? I, I knew I was going to be talking to you and it, it just popped up on my timeline on Facebook. Uh, the further a society drifts from the truth, the more it will hate those who speak it. Yeah. Well, you know who the first whistleblower was, they say? No, who? Cassandra. In Greek mythology... And, you know, she got the, she got, um, uh, the gift of prophecy, but then she didn't love, you know, the God who gave it to her and he can't take it back, but he can change it. So he changed it that no one would believe her. And so then the Trojan horse comes and she's like, um, except she spoke in kind of weird tongue and Trojan horse comes and she's like, Hey, we're all going to die from this and no one listened to her. And guess what? So they say Cassandra is like the first um, whistleblower. And also, you know, ABBA has a song, Cassandra. It's kind of, it's one of those things I read about it. And then all of a sudden there's all this, yeah, Cassandra, the first whistleblower. But you know, know. what's interesting about that is not only does it make sense, it also is indicative of the environment that we're in because most people don't believe whistleblowers. So I mean, holistically, it actually fits, not just yeah. the fact that she told, but the fact that they didn't believe her. And often today, we don't believe whistleblowers. Hmm. So I have two soap boxes. One is for my pink collar presentation. And it's kind of like, um, you know, gambling is a pink flag. I, I can't stand gambling. Um, for my ethics presentation, my thing is pay attention to whistleblowers pay attention. So those are my two sort of soapboxes. Well, and I think I, I, I personally, I think it's important to pay attention to them until you discover the truth. You know, like everybody wants to hear, wants, wants to be heard and wants to speak their truth. And, and I have this saying, I don't trust your truth, 
but it's not just for anybody else. I don't trust my truth either because somewhere in the middle is the real truth. And I think when you're an auditor or a fraud investigator or a compliance person, your job is to find the objective truth. And so anytime someone wants to tell you something, there may be a sliver of truth in what they're saying. Everything they're saying may be true, but it's all from their perspective. And when you start digging for the objective truth, you find out a lot of stuff. I, I mean, The stories I could tell about some of the investigations I've done. Nothing oh, as yeah. exciting as the stuff that you've done. Trust me on that. But, you know, it, it all starts with just a small piece of information that boils over into something that's just big. And I really like what you said about having, you know, the attitude and then having the fund. Um, dare I say, you should start collecting that fund as soon as you get that first job, as soon as you graduate from college, before you even graduate from college, yeah. start collecting that fund because you never know when you might need it. Because what happens is people start to compromise on their ethics. You know, I've got rent to pay or mortgage to pay or uh, a, a car note to pay or a child that's in a private school. So maybe if I overlook this, then I can continue. And then a lot of people want to continue doing it until they find another job. Yeah. You know, in any economy, even if it's a good economy, it's still hard to find the right job. So yeah. um, a lot we, of times we like doing the work we're doing there. Yes. It's just this one little thing that's really kind of a big issue. <laughs> um, so yeah, you like doing that work. You know, what was so funny, you just encapsulated that real well. You said it's that one little thing that's a big issue. Right. You know, yeah. the, the, the conundrum in that is just it, it's telling. Now, tell us where can we find you and what are some signature programs or things that you offer? I know you have a really good book, which is really, really good. Uh, and you have some programs. So tell us about those programs. I primarily speak and do consulting these days. COVID has caused, you know, the speaking to go online. So I do a lot of online speaking for associations, um, accountants, auditors, fraud examiners, but also my thing is I want business owners to understand that honest people steal. And so I'm working on doing some courses for purchase. They're not done quite yet, but it is my goal. Um, so the other thing is, and you're going to get a kick out of this, I think, is um, I'm going to say embezzlement is a little bit like porn. And why I say it's a little bit like porn is you're not going to go into Barnes and Noble and say, um, where are the books about when you get ripped off by that trusted employee? You're going to go online and you're going to search and that's how you're going to find information. And you're even going to maybe be embarrassed to call up your lawyer and say, hey, how can I find out about embezzlement? So I'm kind of all over the internet. Like I've got kellypaxton.com, pinkcollarcrime.com. I'm on Twitter and on LinkedIn. Um, and you can, anyone can reach out to me. I am happy to answer calls and, and provide resources because I know you provide a lot of great resources and we have a community. Like we just have a community and um, 
you know, I'm really niche down, but sometimes someone needs something a little bit different. I know the person to send them to. So absolutely. Yeah. All right. So you guys in the show notes, we're going to have Kelly's book, her link to her websites with an S. And depending on when this comes out, we may have links to her course because Kelly is going to remind us that even good people do bad things and anyone can steal. And she's going to give us some warning flags and red flags and warning signs on how pink to flags. pink flags. There you go. Sorry. Pink flags. That's right. I was wrong about that. She's going to give us some pink flags to look out for. Thank you for being on Kelly. This has been a whole lot of fun. Oh, thank you so much for helping me spread the word word. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like us, tell everybody you know. Better yet, head on over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds. I can do it with my eyes closed and both hands tied behind my back. So what are you waiting for? If you want to talk to us, leave us a voice message. You might be featured on the show. Check the link in the show notes. Want to carry us wherever you go? Check out the merch on our website. Get your I quit, old quit, or just plain quit stuff there. If you really, really like us, you can become a monthly contributor for less than a cup of coffee. Link is in the show notes. And last but not least, quit those limiting beliefs that are holding you back. And we're out. <laughs>